Welcome to Spotlight, your guide to arts, culture and brand new Irish music. My name is Ruth Medjbar and I'm so delighted you are with us here live on Dublin City FM. Or indeed, if you're catching up, you're very welcome as well. We are on podcast platforms. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple Music and even on YouTube. Now, this is our eighth week broadcasting. I'm delighted. I'm absolutely delighted. I'm getting to grips with things. We have some treats in store for you today if you're looking for something to do this weekend I of course have an events guide for you on the show we are going to have chats with photographer Connor Horgan who is opening a solo show in the RHA we will also have two of the stars of A Whistle in the Dark which is currently on in the Peacock stage in the Abbey Theatre not to mention a live musical session from the ever divine Farah L who is celebrating the release of her debut record let's just start as we mean to go on shall we here is a brand new tune by a man that needs no introduction Andrew Hosier Byrne an absolute gent here is his new single in quite a long time I'm delighted this is out this is called Swan Upon Leda husband Waits outside A crying child Pushes a child Into the night She was told He would come this time Without leaving So much as a feather behind To ignite at last The perfect one more sweet boy to be butchered by men But the gateway to the world Is still outside the reach of hell Will never belong to angels And never belong to
What a beautiful new tune from Hosier called Swan Upon Leda. I'm so excited to know that he is back and hopefully gigging soon. Let's take another track now from an Irish band. This is called Naruda Fall in Your Arms Again by a band called 1000 Beasts.
What a beautiful bop that was. 1,000 beasts, Naruda, fall in your arms again. The next band is no stranger to this show. I play him a lot because I just adore what he does. And he has teamed up with another artist that I am infatuated with. I'm, of course, talking about Talos and Lisa Hannigan. They have a new track out together called Crows. You can catch Talos doing a headline show this weekend in the Pepper Canister Church. I say you can catch him play, but I can't because I missed out on tickets. Tickets are like gold dust for any of his shows. And I think he's also playing down in Cork in St. Luke's as well. Um, so Saturday the 15th in the Pepper Canister. I don't know. You're going to see me outside trying to beg for tickets for that one. But if you don't want to beg for tickets, <laughs> you want to have a little bit of decency left in your life, you can catch him in the Academy on the 25th of March. Tickets for that are 27.50. Let's have a little listen to their new track. This is Crows. Finding walls like we please. 
oh my God, can you get any more beautiful than when Talos and Lisa Hannigan come together and make a glorious track that was Crows. Oh, beautiful. But should we step it up a little bit of a gear right now? Let's, you know, keep it Irish, keep it fresh, keep it brand new. This is Wen Young with The Laundress.
That was When Young with the Laundress. We're going to keep it Irish again, because what else do we do here on Spotlight? We just play Irish music. This is a collaboration between Joshua Burnside and Mount Palamore. Here is a song called Simmer. No warmth in the firelight No kindness in the touch of the absolute Nothing Leaving in the garden Nothing taking flight It's a short British life So simmer down old banging tune well, stick with us we're going to keep the we're going to keep the volume up here but first are you looking for something to do this weekend of course you are everybody is let's keep your life nice and busy there is a festival another festival on 
I'm just so tired of festivals but this one looks good this is called Cop On and it's in the new Grange Gorman DIT campus which is now called TU Dublin which I'll never be able to get my head around because I'm a DIT student it is happening Friday the 14th and Saturday the 18th of October there is loads of stuff going on there are workshops there is street food there is yoga there's DJ sets and there's live music now the thing about this is It's a unique, first-of-its-kind festival to socialise and mobilise. It's a festival for climate action. Sounds great, right? You can be doing something good with your days by going and listening to music. Um, There's loads of stuff going on. Reggae yoga, wreath-making workshops, a zeitgeist flea market, and there's loads of these vintage swap shops. So you can bring some of your items of clothing down, you pick up a ticket, and then you can go in and you can pick new clothing, which to me is just heaven. Um, Keela are playing, Ships, Sive, Nyla Nine is doing a DJ set. There's spoken word performances from Stephen James Smith and Adam Mahal. There's loads of stuff going on. It's all about the lead up to COP27, which is taking place, obviously, in Egypt this November. So it's a good way to start a conversation about climate action as a good way to feel good about yourself. Loads of tickets available online um, this weekend in Grange Gorman. Now, I'm going to play you out a tune here. It is by a new Irish band. What's new? Uh, they're called Banshee. They spell it B-E-A-N-S-I Fada. And the song is called Nyctophobia. And I, of course, had to do my duty and Google that for you. Nyctophobia is a fear of the dark. Sure, look, I'm going to play this out, then stick with us through the ads. We're going to come back with a very special live performance from the wonderful Farah L.
I am very, very grateful to be joined in studio today from the amazing Farah L. Hello, darling. You are very welcome. Hey. Congratulations, because you have just released your very first record. It's called Fatima, and it came out last Friday. Yeah. How does it feel? Feels good. I feel, I feel lighter. I feel more free. <laughs> Okay, you got like a weight off your shoulders. Yeah, really like, like I got something big off my chest. Because it was, it's a long time coming, right? You wrote some of these songs quite early on in your career or in your practice. Yeah, seven years ago I started writing this album. Yeah. And the songs were all written and like finished actually being recorded about three years ago. So... Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> You're going to play some tunes for us in a little bit, aren't you? Yeah. First, tell us about the title, Fatima, of course. Gorgeous woman's name. Where did you get that from? <laughs> Fatima is my mom's name. Oh. And <laughs> I actually, funnily enough, didn't choose the name of the album based on that immediately. That was my reason for going with that. But what happened was I was looking after someone's house at the time and there was a little tile on the wall. This was during the pandemic. Mm. Um, There was a little tile on the wall that was from that place, Fatima, in Portugal. And it was like, um, the person who owned the house was very Catholic like, and had loads of these kind of um, holy shrines around their house. And I just remember seeing like this tile that was actually the same dimensions as a CD <laughs> and and it had like the Virgin Mary on it and then like Fatima number five written underneath it and I was like Fatima and I was like doesn't that look like a CD cover and then I was like oh, that would be such a perfect name for my album like and then I was like my mom's name is Fatima this makes so much sense because I feel like I'm just like a big mashup of all these different things in the world and like Fatima is so cross-culturally like applicable it is right yeah. I mean because obviously that person had it as a Catholic shrine and we have like Fatima mansions here and I believe yeah. like it's a lot of the time you only see when Irish people talk about Fatima they're just talking about that yeah but of course Fatima is, is it's a it's a beautiful Islamic name yeah and that's where it originates oh, yeah it's an and, Islamic name and you as well as me we're cross-cultural <laughs> so you're you're Libyan Irish that's how you describe yourself as Libyan Irish both of your parents are Libyan right well I actually describe <gasps> myself as a cosmic being <laughs> but my roots are Libyan actually completely Libyan but I grew up here so we moved here when I was a baby oh um so I have I'm very very I would say Irish in nature in terms of my uh I've definitely got that charm <laughs> <laughs> you've got the gab that's right I definitely yeah, have you, the gab you're Irish <laughs> But yeah, both my parents like um, came here and we grew up here and I'm just so grateful really for every step that that got me here. Yeah. Yeah. But like you've released this album called Fatima and it starts with a stomper of a tune, which is in Arabic. Right. So, I mean, there's all these like all these cultural references to your own heritage and to your own being, which I guess makes a perfect debut record. You're introducing yourself to the world. You know, you could have come out with a bunch of pop bangers that didn't reference your heritage at all. You could have sang just totally in, in English and you could have named it anything else. Like, yeah. why is it important for you to bring this through in your work? That's such a lovely question. Um, it's important for me to bring this through in my work because it's expressing all the, well, a lot of the aspects of who I am and all the things that um, contributed to, to why I am the way I am today. 
And it feels different actually singing in Arabic or like in anyone's mother tongue to sing in your mother tongue feels actually very different. And I also kind of was a bit shy for a very long time about like celebrating those parts of myself Mm. um, for many different reasons. But for me, it was like a really like kind of taking my power back in that. Like I might not be the most like stereotypical you know, Libyan Muslim person. But these things were part of me growing up and I'm really grateful for them. And I think they should be celebrated. And <laughs> absolutely. It was very liberating for me to do that, really, actually. Good. Yeah, definitely. And you did it so beautifully in the record. Um, and it, I'm, you know, I'm looking at you and I'm, I'm kind of going, there is there's a beautiful Irish woman with, with different heritage, different stories to tell, telling them in such a unique way. So I think that's what art is. And that's, you know, it should be a celebration, you know. Um, would you start us off with a tune? Yeah. What are you going to play for us first? <laughs> I'll play the first song in the album. Yeah. <laughs> I'll play Silk. This is where it all started. Okay. And when did you write this one? I was 19 at the time and it was... Uh, about two years after the Libyan revolution happened Mm. and I kind of realised how big where I was from and what was going on over there, how big of the role that actually played in Mm. my whole entire life with everything from like culture clash to uh, just trying to be me. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're going to do a stripped back softer version of Silk on your record. Okay, take it away in your own time, Farah. (laughs) Thank you. Binti Shalabi Ayuna Salim Hubik Min Albiya Binti Ayuna Na Every now and then I'll have forgotten it But I know it's in me At peace is all I've ever wanted Then it hits me and it's so hard to breathe This cloak in all its darkness It carries me Oh how it feels when it's so haunted and it makes it hard to see what's going on beneath when it oh it hits me when it oh it hits me and makes it hard to be and it oh it hits me when it oh it hits me and makes it hard to breathe this veil of silk what could be wrong with it it's nothing but serene my All that matters is my identity But what if I can't see? What if I find it hard to carry on being me? And what if this could be The only gate that welcomes every single part of me?
Take me and take away our problems And then maybe we could head out to sea And what if this could be A solution to removing the veil That's wearing me and all of a sudden I see That there's an ocean and a desert And it's waiting for me And you know what? You reminded me the first time I ever saw you play live was at a BIM music showcase. <laughs> yeah. You were only a babby and you still are only a babby, but you <laughs> sang that song. And I was like, oh, this girl's gone far. <laughs> it was so nice for me because my my dad speaks Arabic. Or, you know, our family, you know, they all speak Arabic. It was so nice to hear a song played live in Ireland, sang in Arabic mm. in a really lovely, contemporary, fun way. And you just execute it so well. So I'm chuffed, like. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, we. I, I want to talk about something which probably might not be the best time and place, but I can't not address it because you've mentioned removing the veil in that in that song. And obviously, you know, as a world, we are looking at Iran at the moment, and we. Well, my heart goes out to the women there who are fighting on the streets. Um, like, do you sometimes feel? Um, being in Ireland not of you know complete Irish heritage or whatever way you kind of want to say it sometimes that people misunderstand your culture oh yeah of course yeah mm. I think that actually happens to everybody yeah um, but especially when I was addressing it because I can only really speak from my own experience yeah. and when I was addressing it in that way to be honest with you like there's so many things that kind of go on that I just felt like I couldn't really talk about because you know, there's such a there's such a big like focus on honor in like yeah. some cultures and I think the culture that I came from definitely cared about honor quite a lot to the point where it was like honor abuse on like yeah. you know, the spectrum of that is is very relatable for anybody, which is yeah. essentially like being so scared of what your neighbours think. But you look, there's so many comparisons to be drawn, I think, from like Irish culture to Arab culture that like the the comparisons in my mind are are just so apparent you know especially honor and you know the shame that people bring on the family because you hear about that a lot like oh the shame on the family but like sure it wasn't too long ago that you know that Irish women were given birth in grottos because of the shame they were bringing on the family and I do think sometimes like um uh people from different cultures will judge 
your culture without looking at their own and kind of going, are you forgetting all the things that you did as well? Like, so I sometimes get questioned, like even though I'm I'm sitting here as, a, you know, an Irish Algerian woman, you know, and I'm, I'm not religious, I was brought up with both faiths, can respect them, you know, in their entirety. And I, I love my parents for that. Like, but I feel like, you know, I always get questioned about like, um, do you think they should be wearing a hijab? And I'm just like, do you, what do you care? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you get that an awful lot. I'm wondering, because you're putting your album out there and you're putting yourself out there in your work, which is the only way to really do it as an artist. Are you sometimes sick of the questions? Um... It's not that I'm sick of the questions because I think people at the end of the day and the end of the day just want to understand. Okay, and I think that's all we really need to do in this world is just try to understand rather than be understood. So I just want to do it justice. So for me, like I definitely see the veil as a metaphor for a lot of things. But if we want to get really specific about exactly how the song came out, it was when I actually realized that I actually really wanted a career in music. And that was quite petrifying, especially because where I come from, women do not become singers. Like, it's very rare. Mm. Well, now they do, but it's still like, whoa, okay. So I definitely feel like that was scary for me to accept because, like... I was saying this the other night that when I grew up and I went to um, the mosque for Libyan school on the weekends, I remember one teacher was trying to tell us that like music was haram, which is like blasphemy, because they said the power of it was so strong that like you could fall in love with music more than God. Now, I have really strong faith, like I really, really do. So I was like, but I love both. (laughs) So I was just like, I shouldn't have to choose. And then I really do believe that like whatever you want to call it this you know high power this I just call it love sometimes like I think that that really is unconditional um and as long as I am kind of pure-hearted and you know don't cause harm to people intentionally or anything like that or put myself above others then I think I can do this thing you know and do it with a sense of values and you know and grace and honor and your honor in my own way yeah Yeah. that sets me free what you're doing is just celebrating the gifts that you have as a human being like yeah and gifts are for sharing gifts are for sharing and you're sharing your tunes with us and i yeah i absolutely wholeheartedly agree with what you're doing and idle people have different opinions don't they do you know what i mean and you can't keep up with everyone and you can't please everyone you just have to do what is right in your own way Mm -hmm. and you're doing it through music which is Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my darling, are you going to play another song for us? Yeah, I am actually. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. I just get to listen to you play live. This is <laughs> what song are you going to play next for us? I'm going to play Curfew. Great. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this song? Curfew is a funny one because Curfew is like me sort of realizing the urgency to get this off my chest <laughs> <laughs> and like, and how unconditional that love can be if you just let it in. <laughs> I, I love that this record is a real like, you hit the ground running, like as in like you started a thing and now you're like, I'm singing. Yeah, <laughs> <So> literally. <laughs> okay, take it away with Curfew when you're ready. Uh, thanks. Better get it in before curfew Better let it out 
before they stop you don't let the pacifier silence you don't let their tired eyes tire you sweat it out till the morning meets you let it out till the sunny skies greet you better not get caught flying through all the thoughts i've got about you i'm working on a timetable i'm working on a tight curfew i'm working on a strict schedule for you i'm working on a timetable i'm working on a tight curfew i'm working on a strict schedule for you احبك طول الحياه يا حبيبي اسمع انا انا احبك طول الحياه يا حبيبي اسمعها bursting with youth i'll find you feeding them truth i'll hide you from all that's new so i can guide you Use your whole voice so kind to contemplate life now it's time to write your own rules and let the love find you Let the love come find you Let the love come find you Ooh, Let the love come find you Let the love come find you Let the love come and I احبك طول الحياه يا حبيبي اسمعها انا انا احبك طول الحياه يا حبيبي اسمعها يا حبيبي اسمعها يا حبيبي اسمعها انا احبك طول الحياه طول الحياه Yes, Habibti. <laughs> That was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. I love oh. when you speak Arabic, Ruth. Oh, I like it. Oh, shukran. <laughs> so come here and tell me, okay? In Farah El's ideal world, where would you see yourself? What would be the dream gig or the dream job or where where would what would give your heart most joy to see your music go? Africa. I want to do a big tour all over Africa. I want to start in Libya, start at home or end there. Yeah. But I want to go all around um and just tour it uh with my friends. I can so see that <laughs> just happening. It's like, do you want to come? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to go? Let's I'm go. totally there. <laughs> Let's go guys. I'll okay. meet you in Algeria halfway yeah, 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 up yeah, like, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. we have hookups everywhere. Yeah. Like we're sure we have someone from each country on the continent. <laughs> wow. I can see this. 
I see this as being like a TV show as well. We could do like a travel documentary. And Farah will be playing in all these amazing places. I'll be taking photographs. It's great. Let's um, go. Yeah, but I think that 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 is really important. I love listening to... Um, uh, I love listening to radio, obviously. I love radio. But one of the most inspiring things I heard over lockdown was BBC Six Music brought... Um, uh, musicians from different cultures to play in their homes, you know. So they had, mm. um, they brought um, this uh, British. This, I, 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 she was like a white British rapper over to I think it was Morocco to to kind of meet like her peer in the same level of it. Another mm-hmm. female musician there, and it was like a cross cultural exchange of instruments and you know and and of knowledge and the music that came out of it. I was just like. This is good radio. So maybe this is something that we can do together. I love that. I love it. Okay, so um, come you, the, the album is just out now and I'm sure it's being well received everywhere that it goes because it is just like, it is, for me, it's like a big hug listening to that record. Oh, it's great. Absolutely gorgeous. So massive congratulations on that. Um, if we can't make it to Africa to see you, are you planning on doing any Irish shows? <laughs> no, tough. <laughs> Grand sky scanner, flights booked. We'll get to Africa. <laughs> I have um, a headline show on the 8th of December mm-hmm. in the Workman's Cellar. And tickets are on sale. Um, singular artists are behind that. They've got ticket links on their website and then Ticketmaster.ie as well. Okay, so that's in the downstairs in the, in the yeah. Yeah, is it the new lovely venue? I heard, yeah, I'm yet to see it, but it's supposed to be gorgeous down there. Yeah, it's stunning. It will suit your vibe down to Good. a tea. Yes, I think I love an intimate show. Okay, yeah. and come here, tell us where can people find more of your music or more of you? I'm just, I'm just everywhere You're in now. the ether. I'm just out there in the ether now. <laughs> like, if you don't look for me, I'll probably land on your windowsill or something. So it's Farah L F A R A H E L L E E. Yeah, and you've an Instagram. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Band, if you want to buy the album, Bandcamp is good. Have yeah. a look out for Bandcamp Fridays, where they mm. don't take a commission and all the money goes to the artist, mm. which is a beautiful way. And always, I'm telling people on this show, if you like what you hear, to put your hand in your pocket and support with your pennies. Buy the merch, buy the album, buy the tunes, support those that you love. Will you play us out with one more tune, please, Farah? Absolutely. What is this one you're going to play for us? <laughs> this one's called Desert. Great. And yeah, I love this song. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. Best of luck with the headline show. I'll see you in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. an island I call it the stars it's where you'll find it it's calling me far can't deny it I'm calling you more won't inspire it believe 
It's calm. In the desert, it's calm. the incredible Farah L who played for us live in the studio we are very very grateful to have an abundance of incredible Irish talent here at our at our fingertips um, which brings me to, to kind of mention this is your radio show if you're listening at home I want to hear feedback from you guys if you are a singer a songwriter uh, if you are an author and you have a new book or even an old book, old books should be cherished as well. Um, or if you're working on a project or you have a community event or 
maybe a market stall or something going on. Whatever you're up to that you think the general public, our lovely listeners, should listen to and find out more about, this is your platform. I want you to think about this show as your community pin board. So please do send us an email, spotlight at dublincityfm.ie and we will absolutely gladly platform your events. Now, we are going to have another Irish tune from another incredible Irish female musician. This is Susan O'Neill with her song, Now You See It. I was a free bird sailing through the black and starry sky. I was a Onto the wide open spaces where a mind can be a mind without a memory. Now you see it, now it's gone. Now you feel it, now it's gone.
So still to come on Spotlight, we have an interview with two of the amazing actors in A Whistle in the Dark in the Abbey. And also Connor Horgan will be telling us about his upcoming show in the RHA. An incredible photographer is Connor. We're going to play some tunes just in a second. This, you know what, I went to Ireland Music Week last week, which is an incredible showcase of all our Irish talent like baby bands, baby acts, people who have never set foot on stage before and who are cutting their teeth in the Irish music industry. 50 of them took to various stages last week and uh, what what uh, First Music Contact did was they brought over a whole load of international delegates from all around the world to kind of look at our amazingly talented musicians and then you know hopefully offer them shows abroad. I saw some class bands play. One of the bands are going to play a tune from her now. This is F.A. and here is a song called Table for Two.
So joining me in the studio right now is Sarah Morris and Rory Heading from the new production on the Abbey's Peacock stage, A Whistle in the Dark. You're very welcome to the show, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. We're very happy to be here. Now, there's one thing I, I must mention is, Rory, what happened to you? You have your leg in a cast? Um, I had a, a bike accident, so yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's all good, thankfully. Um, how are you managing during the performances? Well, uh, thankfully the, the, the costume covers the boot and I have period crutches, so uh, we, we made it work. And Which are harder to use than modern day crutches, I might sure. add. I'd yeah. imagine. So you're hobbling around. I'm hobbling around. Um, strangely, it, it, it works for the, for the character. My character talks about having an accident and stuff like that. <laughs> and so you're like, so like all these little serendipitous things that have, uh, that have happened. Um, so yeah. So I, you're quicker. You're getting quicker for sure. I definitely am. My entrances are much quicker now. At the start, <laughs> I was kind of falling through the door. And I was uh, like, oh, I'm here. It's a small stage, right? You're on the Peacock stage and it's uh, it's kind of a boxed in stage, right? It's, yeah. Tiny. It's tiny. And I think it's meant to feel tiny. It's meant to feel kind of claustrophobic. I mean, it, it would probably help that you don't have to travel much on the stage. Tell us a little bit about your experience so far because you're in your run of it and uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. It's sold out. It's getting rave reviews. The pressure's off us to sell it here now <laughs> because you've done all the work. I mean, first of all, congratulations. But like, how has it been going for you? I think like I, it's been, it's kind of, it's such a pressure cooker play. It's an incredible play and like really it nearly sells itself because it is kind of an Irish masterpiece. But I think since we've been working on it, you get really like it, it kind of seeps into you. Um, it's it's a heavy play for sure, but like you really fall like you feel an affinity to the family, and we've been doing it now. We were we had, were really lucky to have uh, quite a luxurious rehearsal rehearsal period in the sense that we got a little bit of extra time than you usually would, and then we went into tech, which was heavy enough going because the the size of the space because it's so small and there's so many of us on stage. It's quite rare that you see that nowadays. Like you generally with new plays, you might see two or three characters on stage at once. In this play, there's seven of us on stage wow. at one point. Like, but um, I think once opening night happens, yeah, you can kind of like like really live in it because yeah. you know there's always there's always pressure with opening because it's an industry night, and also you want to do the production proud and you want to do. Tom Proud and because the play is kind of iconic everyone knows it and has an opinion about it. Does it make you a little bit nervous when you're doing such an iconic play because this this play has been around since the 60s right and and it's you know took global audiences by storm when it first came out in the West End or and so when you guys are your actors you're coming up the ranks and you obviously are very aware of all these iconic plays and you're thinking I'd love to do that one day when it finally comes to you like, do you not just go, oh, my God, no? <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I don't think so. I, I think it's because uh, you're right. I think when you're starting off as an actor, you look at plays by by the likes of Tom Murphy. And, and I, like, I, I think it is a masterpiece. It is. It's, it's fair to say. So it's actually like it's more of a gift. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a gift. And, and the fact that it's it's been done so many times, you know, it works. So it's kind of like it, it, it's 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 great for an actor. It's yeah. great for an actor. I think the the thing about it being a masterpiece as well is everything on the page is is so specific and it's there for a reason. So a lot of the work is just finding 
exactly what that rhythm is, exactly what he meant by that. And once you kind of crack that, it kind of takes takes on it. It's like it 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 goes by itself almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? You kind of have to just let it let it go. Then yeah. So you're it it sounds like a cliche, but you're actually a servant. To, to the play, to the play, then. Yeah, yeah. So you can just kind of switch off a certain part of your brain and let kind and sink into it a little bit more, is it? Well, he tells you like a piece of music. He tells you what way he wants you to say it. Nearly in the yeah. way that it's written, it's it's so specific. And even if it's just a sound like a ah uh, or a, you know, once you feel it out, then you then something clicks in your actor brain and goes, oh, that's the way it's supposed to be right. said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is kind of amazing like that. But I do think. Like I presume, like in some way, it's like that was not the same. But when people are like, you know, oh, did you see so and so's Hamlet? Yeah. Like to me, it's like, did you see so and so's Dada? Like, which is the character that yeah. Sean McGinley's playing, and they're all every single character, even if they aren't speaking all the time, are so rounded. They're so full. Like you know who they are by looking at them. Wow. It's kind of amazing that that. Yeah. And it's it's like an endless kind of. I'm reluctant to use the word experiment because I think our director would probably um, <laughs> get the wrong idea. But it is an, a kind of an endless. It's so complex and so dense that the, the characters and the, and the language that it's like an endless experiment every night. It's like oh, I, I found that little little thing tonight, yeah. and I think that's a testament as well to to it being a masterpiece. That yeah. that's possible. That there's not just within the this the the specific way that he's written it mm. there's so many different ways to play it and so many different energies and 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 it's like oh he he said it this way tonight so I'm responding to this and that changes it's 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 incredible it's so it, it kind of evolves as you go along the run really definitely then, for That's sure fantastic I'm listening to you here now and I I love talking to dubs because we're on Dublin City FM I'm a dub <laughs> and you use a very Dublin accents but in this performance you guys change your accents you Rory you switch to Mayo yeah and Sarah you're I'm brummy you're brummy yeah uh, is there ever a moment where you just forget like <laughs> come back or do you really focus your energy like I don't know an awful lot about the acting world like I come clean I don't you know I come from a background of music and you know the stage for me is a is a musician's stage yeah so I I'm still kind of like mesmerized and in awe and everything of watching actors perform on the stage I think it's it's so magical whereas when I watch musicians I'm like oh yeah I know what they're doing wrong they did this they did miss this they do that you know like, yeah for sure but yeah, like yeah. I'm demystified by the music industry but what you guys do I'm still like oh, how do you do that so the accents thing for me I'm like oh my god could you imagine talking for two and a half hours <laughs> <laughs> do you do a lot of like pre-show prep to zone yourselves into doing that I think each show demands a different thing, you know, right. and this like definitely for for accents, I think the, the, for me, like I have to be really comfortable in it in order to kind of for try and forget about it. So I'm just playing the character. Yeah. But in order to do that, you have to go in with a bloody shovel at the start and just lay it on thick and kind of pull it back. But um can you give us a bit of a give us a bit oh, of a no, Go on, you can like. Well, no, I remember when I was doing a bit of work, I was looking up uh, Alison Hammond, who's oh, yeah. often on. I think she might have been on Big Brother or something. Yeah, she's, she's a gas woman anyway. But I remember listening to her, and she'd say something like Tunisia, Tunisia, or she'd say uh, Trouble. 
trouble. Yeah, yeah, and and just little things, and then you kind of have you have can have a way in. But I always find, like I was saying to the lads, I watched a lot of. Um, there was an amazing documentary Channel Four did years ago called Benefit Street, and it was set in in Birmingham. And uh, if you just kind of surround yourself with it, or like yeah. uh, a certain there's a there's a really cool. I can't remember her name now, so I won't make a, a point. But really cool uh, TD uh, who works. She's kind of like a woman, women's rights uh, activist, and she'd be very much a, a woman of the working, like for the working class. And she's a cool Brummy accent too, so I did a bit of that. But yeah, I think in terms of preparation, um, it just depends on on what the what the role asks of you. Like I find for me, like the best thing is to just come in early and kind of block out the rest of the day and really kind of focus into the zone of just being in that space and yeah. and the the best way I think a performance you'll ever get is if you're truly relaxed if you can try and really relax and just yeah. kind of give yourself over to it which is hard easier said than done <laughs> absolutely I mean it's no uh, it's no easy task that you're doing as well the, the show is 2 hours 45 minutes that's <laughs> some stamina right <laughs> if you're doing that on stage you must be fighting fit to do it yeah and you're so not able for it anymore like after Covid like <laughs> exactly. I, I could barely watch like an episode or something my head was just like what <laughs> and you're up on stage concentrating for that long like that's no uh, yeah, that's... I think the, the conversation in the dressing room uh, lady is about what we should eat before the show it's generally f- food related yeah and, and and someone was saying the other day that it should be like you know if you were going to run a marathon yeah what would you eat and it's like three hours before you have a big you know, yeah, carb. Is yeah, bananas and carbs like yeah, just yeah, get yeah, it yeah. into you. Oh, a lot um, of sushi. We do we eat a lot. Of sushi. Yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah, yeah. Of sushi. I love that because it is your bodies that are carrying it out there. It is quite a strenuous thing to do, and you need a lot of stamina. So, I mean, what you're doing, like night after night, again, because I'm just so amazed at what you're doing. I'm like, how do you do it? It is marathon running. Like it's a very energizing thing in a way though isn't yeah. it it's not it's 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 almost like after it okay there might be you might be exhausted yeah but during it it's a very energizing thing it's, you're probably it's on adrenaline right kind of yeah but it's it's kind of it sustains your energy sustains i i, I find yeah, well um, and we have the the company that we have like there's it's an ensemble piece and i think we all feed each other and the thing is even if you go on one particular night and you're feeling you know a little lethargic or a little overwhelmed or whatever if you just plug into that other person and luckily quite often there's about seven of us on the stage at any given time (laughs) so we kind of feed each other and reach out in that way but Um, it it is it is it can be overwhelming because because it's so emotionally dense and the way that Tom has written it, it is it's so complex. Yeah. So they, you, you mentioned there earlier that it was heavy. I mean, and the, this the play has been described as a knockout explosion of toxic masculinity. So there's a lot of there's a lot of themes in this that you kind of carry away and you will carry away emotionally. How is it for you to be s- surrounded by that every night and working through that and working through it with like a new audience every night? I think um, I'm reluctant to say this as well, but. It, it, you'd be surprised at how much the audience are laughing through this play. Really? Because it is quite, like, it's it's definitely, a, you know, it's it's definitely a central thing with the, the toxic masculinity and the violence and, yeah. and, and how tragic and dark it is. 
but it's also hilarious right in in, in ways and i probably it, it's probably more a question for you sarah like how what your experience is because you're, you're the, the only, only woman female. yeah yeah um well i think it's i suppose i think what i always think about this play is like it's very real and it's very true and as much as t- toxic ma- masculinity it's a very modern sensibility it's a it, it's a it's a new thing that we're yeah. we understand and i suppose for me as uh playing betty i have to really plug into the love that i have for my husband and if you can think about it that way and i think the play is about is it's about so much more than that than that in the sense that it's really about identity and family and trauma and abuse mm. and and violence and all these things kind of coagulate to make this toxic masculinity which mm. is definitely there but i think if you peel it if you peel back from that word it's actually not as scary because you can have empathy and understand where those other characters are coming from because of their experiences i think that's a beautiful point and i think because you know you're bringing it to an audience in 2022 not 1961 that maybe we do have that you know support system is in place and we do have that degree of separation nowadays that we can kind of laugh about it now and we can kind of be like okay this is maybe something that we can look at in the past you know we're very kind of aware that we're watching something that was made in 1961 and hopefully things we've kind of evolved a little bit as society or if not that we we can get a bit of help if we do need it like so that's all uh i think it's, it sounds like an incredible play it sounds like an incredible performance um it's uh you're running out till the 5th of november yeah you're totally sold out like so <laughs> yeah. i don't even know about like pushing tickets here or anything but i do believe that if you call the box office if you really want to go they might be have some cancellations or, or whatnot um it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today thank you so much for coming in and sharing your stories i can't wait to go and see you on that stage best look at the rest of the performance thank you rory and sarah from a whistle in the dark thank you thank you so much guys Now we're going to keep it live and fresh here with a new track from Amy Michelle. This is called Welcome to the Sidelines.
what a haunting little outro there from Amy Michelle with Welcome to the Sidelines. If you enjoyed our little chat there with the stars of A Whistle in the Dark, Rory and Sarah, and you have uh, whetted your appetite for a bit of theatre spectacular performances, you can go to an exhibition this weekend in Rusborough House. It's called The Art of Costume. It only runs now until the 16th of October, so we better get in pretty sharpish. But what it does is it's bringing... um, it's displaying costumes from loads of different award-winning Irish productions such as Normal People, uh, Brendan Gleeson's flamboyant dressing gown from The Guard is there. You have the military uniform from Liam Neeson in Michael Collins. I think that's quite interesting. I think it's, it's a you know, costumes can really make a movie and they can make a production, right? So if that floats your boat, if you're interested, it's in Rusborough House. There's tickets available. Get down before the end of the 16th of October. Now, I'm going to play you a tune that I adore. It's Irish. It's not new, okay? But it's something that I fell in love with a long, long time ago. And I was introduced to the band... I think I was introduced to the band through one of those CDs that you used to get with magazines a long time ago. Now I don't even own a CD player, which is a crying shame. I guess now it's just algorithms and radio stations that get your uh, new music to you. Or, of course, shows like Spotlight. But this is a song from an Irish band called Alpha States. Um, the lead singer is Kat Dowling, who is still performing under her own name. This is a song called Kiss Me from one of my Desert Island, Island records. Have a little listen to this. And if you like it, go back and find the record and fall in love like I did.
Still joining me, my name is Ruth Medware. This is Spotlight, your weekly guide to arts, culture, and new Irish music. I am about to play you a track by Aoife Wolf. This is called The Woman Who Shot Andy Warhol. And if you stick with us, after this, we're going to hear from photographer Connor Horgan about his brand new show in the RHA.
Morgan, photographer extraordinaire. You are very welcome to Spotlight on Dublin City FM ahead of your brand new solo exhibition in the RHA called Post State. Thank you very much. How are you now in level one to nerves? Because you, <laughs> you're about to go hanging the exhibition as we speak, right? We're hanging the exhibition tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people will start seeing it on Thursday and it'll be open to the public on Friday and not everything is finished yet and there's still, you know, a couple of key decisions that need to be made. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just about what goes up where and, you know, the size of it and all of the, all of this kind of stuff. I, I always find you'll find your groove when you're in the space and you have the pieces in front I'm of you. I'm really looking forward to that bit. Yeah. And I have a great curator and there's a great tech guy called Ian in the RHA and we're putting up vinyls and we're trying different kinds of framing. I'm framing a a corner with two of them if that works so there's still a degree of kind of experimentation it's a real site specific kind of installation and you know it's just been hugely enjoyable up until now and I imagine that you know stressful though it is as you were heading towards the kind of the final furlong um it's still kind of. You're still going to love it. I'm still really digging it. Yeah. So this body of work is a slight departure from maybe your previous. I mean, this is a lot more landscapes. It's a lot more still imagery. Whereas I would have known you personally as a portrait photographer. Um, but then in your life, looking back over your career, you've done a myriad of things through the lens, right? You've also been a commercial advertising photographer. You have directed movies, including Panties, The Queen of Ireland. Um. How do you feel about moving into this fine art landscape kind of realm? Surprisingly good. That's brilliant. (laughs) Um, You know, it's funny because, you know, I have, as you say, I've done a lot of different things. And when I was a kid, when I was a baby photographer, uh, the guy who I assisted was a fashion and advertising photographer. And I kind of just followed in his footsteps. And so my first couple of years as a photographer, I was a fashion photographer. But I always did kind of arty fashion photographs. And then when I started making directing TV commercials, I did kind of arty looking TV commercials. I mean, how arty can a TV commercial actually be? But, you know, I, so I always felt I was kind of arts adjacent. Yeah. And as my life has gone on and as my career has gone on, I've just gotten closer and closer and closer. And this is the first I've had solo exhibitions before. I had one in the gallery of photography in the 90s, which was portraits. I'd won in the Little Museum of Dublin uh, about eight years ago, which is kind of unpublished work that I'd done based around Dublin. And this is the first time I've gone out to make a body of work, as you say, that isn't centered around portraiture. And so this is a whole new thing for me to, to kind of work in this particular area. I've absolutely loved doing it, like going out assembling the thought process in my mind as I'm driving my 20-year-old jalopy across uh, the recently locked-downed parts of Ireland. You know, as the lockdown was loosening up, I started kind of driving around the place and things were still really quiet and really deserted and that kind of informed a lot of what I was doing as well. Because that, that is what this body of work is, isn't it? You've, you've, I can see your journey through Ireland through the sample images that you showed me and you're looking at a version of Ireland that is... Uh, how would you say it? It's 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 a it's a new state or it's a non-state. It's kind of it is a post-state, as yeah. the title would have it. And I'm thinking about what things might be like on this particular geographical piece of land after it is no longer a state of Ireland. You know, if we actually get to the point in our history as as a species 
when we no longer actually exist as nation states. And, you know, a lot of that is, you know, because of what is coming down the pipe in terms of environmental crisis and all the challenges that come along with that. Mm. And I started really thinking, like, are states the best way of dealing with that? And I think, actually, they're almost certainly not. There has yeah. to be another way of looking at it. There has to be a more collective way of dealing with it. It's quite a fresh viewpoint, considering a lot of people are are focusing their attention on what Ireland would be as a unified state, sure. not like as, as if we completely abolish the notion of state, which I think is quite fresh and intriguing and exciting if it could ever be a thing. If it could ever be, and whilst it would be great if this body work, work offered a couple of easy solutions to this proposed problem. I don't have all the answers. <laughs> what I hope, it's as simple as, you know, uh, I'm putting stuff up on the wall in the hope that, you know, by putting these pictures, which are as beautiful as I can make them, and, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time making a picture of a deserted breeze block wall with a hole in it, as beautiful as I can make it, <laughs> in the hope that people, it would, that will help people not look away from what they represent. Wow. Because I think that we need not to look away. We can look away, we can look into the short term, we can kind of say, well, actually, the big thing is Brexit. The big thing is United Ireland. These things, all of these things, pale in comparison with the actual big thing that is coming down the pipe, which if we don't deal with, all of that other stuff is just moot anyway. It's quite nihilistic, isn't it? You're, quite, you're, well, like, you're like, nothing matters. It's, it's not so much that nothing matters, but I think if we keep looking at the problem and just yeah. keep accepting it, down that way solutions happen. But if we look away from it, then there won't be workable solutions. Yeah. It takes all of us looking and accepting this is actually happening Yeah, to find I, a solution. I think, you know, this is quite brave, beautiful and forward thinking. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm a photographer as well, as you know, we've chatted about this numerous times and I'm very much centred in the commercial realm doing music photography and everything else. I don't think I would have the confidence to bring a body of artistic work to the world like you're doing now. I think I would actually just... Poop my pants. <laughs> and your first show, solo show of fine art photography like this is in the RHA. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. How how do you, was this was the transition easy enough like to get from commercial based photographer with, you know, hints of fine art to standalone, this is it, this is my fine art piece of work. I mean, how like did you get support through it? Was it just self-made confidence? Did the lockdown change your point of view? How did you get from one to the other? A couple of things. There are a couple of factors. Uh, we're both photographers. I'm a couple of years older, older than you. Yeah. I think that's a factor. Um, I've been heading in this way for quite a long time. Uh, before even the lockdown happened, I had an uh, artist residency in the Arch Cultural Centre in Paris, and I went over for two months. And at the end of that, I just thought, oh my God, I'm not done with this city. I need to stay here. I realised I was literally in the heart of visual culture in the world. This is Hollywood for fine art, is Paris, you know. Wow. There are more dedicated photography galleries in Paris than almost any other city in the world. And it was just this absolute wonderland for me to stay there. And I stayed there, ended up living there for two years. So when I came back to Ireland, which happened to be just before the lockdown, I didn't know, like any of us, I didn't know the lockdown was coming. I came back kind of very stoked and very kind of ready to make a new move and to try yeah. different things. And then, the things that I started trying as the lockdown let me do them and also the way that I was able to just think about things because I didn't have 
that pressure that we always have of you know the next commercial job. You know there was there were no commercial jobs for a huge chunk of that time. Yeah. So I was able to put all of my thinking into what I was doing here, and you know I started a process that is continuing up to you know yesterday when I did the final draft of the artist statement. You know? Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday when sent this morning to the <laughs> curator Sarah in the in the RIJ. So you know. It just so happened that kind of life and my movements across it and then the pandemic all kind of helped me get to this point. And I absolutely love being here. And and, 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 and just, you asked as well about support. Yeah. I was hugely um, kind of helped by getting uh, an agility award from the Arts Council uh, in the middle of last year. I sent in this particular project. Yeah. And they were giving out agility awards and and uh, up to five thousand at a time, and I got one of those. And the validation of that was actually was huge, you know, but because that, I, yeah. the, you know they they were. I was presenting myself as a visual artist and saying, "This is what I'm doing. Mm. Do you think it's worth funding?" And they said yes, and uh, I found that very helpful. It is well. amazing the the validation that a, a grant or an award can give to an artist when you've been self sufficient or struggling or working in maybe a different medium or a different you know, a different type of work for so long. I mean, so that there, there were two things you got, the Arts Council, Agility, but also the Cultural Centre in Paris, sure. that that residency. So you must be a, a, a big backer or believer in the universal basic income for artists. Absolutely. And I applied for it and I didn't get it. Same. <laughs> but, you know, I was kind of feeling a bit kind of disappointed. And a friend of mine who is a part uh a full-time mother of two teenagers in yeah. a rented apartment on the outskirts of Dublin who does a bit of part-time work as a tour guide. She got it, and she was on the phone to me that night, and she was in tears. Life-changing. The life-changing nature of that, and that took the sting out of it for me instantly. Yeah. I was just so happy, and a yeah. couple of other people I know have got it. I think it is a wonderful idea. I don't think anyone is begrudging anyone to get no. it. We all just wish we could get it, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it is, I mean, for, for me as well, lockdown kind of changed my thought process and kind of changed how I look at my own work and I would I haven't quite are you it seemed like you cocooned went into a chrysalis came out as a fine art photographer whereas I cocooned and just came out really panicked and stressed <laughs> like, like a little exhausted pigeon but like I am um, I think I need to take a leaf out of your book and kind of reevaluate things so it's 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 really helpful to talk to you today there's one but, there's, but, well sorry I, just, yeah. I have to cut across you there because you you know that's your presentation of what you did you also did a huge group show in the Crawford Art Gallery in oh, Cork, did, yeah. which was amazing. Yeah, and well done you. So, you know, I think there are no absolutes in this. I think yeah. we all have parallel tracks, and I've jumped from one to the other, but that other track was there. It maybe just wasn't as deep or it wasn't as, as clearly defined as mm. it was. But you're on parallel tracks as well, and I don't. I think that's how it works. I need to see this track you're talking about <laughs> and just jump over. Listen, there's one beautiful piece of work on your web. Your your website is divine because you can get lost in it, and you can really. I, I feel thank, like thank I'm at. So a, I feel like I'm at a gallery when you're. I'm looking at your website. What's your website again? Just Connor Horgan. ConnorHorgan.com. Yeah. Fantastic. And if you, you go to it, you've got um, a section where you've got videos and films that you've made. There's one particular film that you've made that I absolutely just connected with. It's called, is it? It's about happiness, mm-hmm. where you've asked a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I couldn't work out for the life of me like what year it was shot or anything, but I was just, I fell deeply into it. We were asking a bunch of normal, everyday people mm-hmm. uh, what they think about happiness or what they believe happiness to be. Mm-hmm. And it's just so 
gorgeous. Tell me a little bit about that style of work. I mean, was that that hardly was a commission for anyone? That just seemed like a that was actually uh, I I just I'd kind of come to an end point of working as a TV commercials director, and I did not like the work, and I did not start, was starting not to like myself for doing that work. It was mm. not something I felt particularly comfortable in doing, so I stopped. And shortly afterwards, I applied to the Arts Council for the very first time. Mm. And, you know, I'd been working, this is in the early 2000s, I'd been working on TV commercials with budgets of like 50 plus thousand for 30 or 60 seconds and, you know, all the bells and whistles and flying Mm. circuses kind of stuff. And I had an idea, and actually the idea came from my photographic practice, which is often when I was photographing somebody, I would just say to them, think about whatever it is that makes you happy. And nobody would ever tell me. <laughs> like, so, I want so, to know. I want to know. <laughs> well, I wanted to know. So I actually started kind of, I, I developed that idea. And I remember I went from, you know, budgets of 50,000 for 30 seconds of advertising to a budget from the Arts Council of 10,000 for half an hour of, of experimental film. And we, it took us a year to shoot us. And we wow. went around the place and we went backstage at the Alternative Miss Ireland and we went to old folks' homes down the country and we went to, you schools, know, Zen Buddha centers yeah. and schools and we actually, and into advertising agencies, we, we covered a whole gamut of people and it is one of the pieces of work I've done in my life that I'm most proud of. And so you so, should be. Thank you very it's much. And, and I'm really glad that you had such a, a reaction to it as well. It's, I really did. I want to see more of that kind <laughs> of work. It's a simple idea executed so beautifully with a really nice message behind it. And it just sets the viewer off on a little journey into what they believe happiness to be themselves. So it's absolutely gorgeous. One question there, because you kind of touched upon it. You were an advertising photographer or director. You were making these big budget you know, highfalutin kind of <laughs> massive production things. Obviously, you get paid very well to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you stopped. Mm-hmm. How hard was that walking away from money? I mean, like, unless now, I don't mean to pry, but unless you're independently wealthy and you don't give a fiddlers about money. But I wish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I'm still hope, holding out for the possibility of being a kept man. <laughs> oh, listen, we all are. Like, I want to go back to the 50s and be a housewife. Am I joking? That's a terrible um, <laughs> I mean... It, it wasn't easy at times, mm. you know, when I started making real films and my own personal work, you know, I was incredibly broke for like you were never as broke as after making, uh, particularly after I made my first feature film, mm. which was made for buttons. I remember at one point stopping off in Kevin Street post office to collect my dough on the way to the airport to fly to Hollywood. <laughs> oh, Ireland, how we treasure our artists. <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know, yes, I was turning, I was kind of walking away from a lot of money, but my level of satisfaction with self and life and work and everything was just skyrocketing. So, you know, in a way, I, it would be nice if you could have both, yeah. but if I had to pick one, I'd pick the one that I, that, I, that I chose. And as my life has gone on and as kind of my creative life has deepened over the years since then, I think I'm following my pleasure. I'm doing what I get most out of. And I think that's visible in your work. Um, I'm glad you're going down that path. So, listen, Connor, thank you so much for joining us. We won't keep you very long because I know you have to run off and hang a (laughs) load of stuff in the RHA, which is fabulous. It opens to the public this Friday. It runs from the 14th of October until the 13th of November in the RHA Ashford Gallery. It's called Post State. They can see more on your website, I'm sure, Mm ConnorHorgan.com. Do you have an Instagram or a Twitter we can follow you at as well? I do, also Connor Horgan. Fantastic. On both.
best of luck with it all. I can't wait to see it myself. Thank you very much. Cheers, Connor. bit of a banger that's from Laura Duff and that was called Good Form we are coming to the end of my show thank you guys so much for sticking with me for another week of Spotlight here on Dublin City FM but if you've missed any of the show at all and you'd like to catch up check us out on Spotify or YouTube or Apple Music where you can search for our podcast and it all lives there you of course can catch up with me on social media you can DM me if you have any requests if your band has a new single if you've got a market stall 
all, if there's some fancy new thing happening in your area that I should know about, you can find me at Ruthless Imagery is where you'll get me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all of that stuff. You can also email direct to the station spotlight at Dublin City FM. M.ie. One of us will pick that up here. Big thank you to Jonathan and Nicola who are helping me record this today because I, of course, am useless at the tech side of things. I just like having the chats. Uh, I'm going to leave you now with an artist who I adore. Again, this is not a new track. It won't be new to a lot of you, but it's still a gorgeous track. I think we have to give time in our society to appreciate music and and art forms and books and poetry and, and everything that came out a few years ago. And you kind of, um, you know, when an album has finished its, its cycle or a book, I brought a book out two years ago, and I'm still immensely proud of it. And we should still be sharing those bits and pieces time and time again. So I would like to give this very popular song another spin because... I was at Ireland Music Week, like I said, and I saw Gemma Hayes in the distance and I was just like, God, I love your tunes and I don't hear them enough. So I'm going to leave you with Gemma Hayes and Palomino. Please join me again next week, Wednesdays 2 to 4, or listen back with me. Slán agus gúrmáhagats. Ride with me, boy, on my Palomino Racing through grey skies, looking for the yellow Leave your father, mother, sister to the TV shows They try to fix you, but sorrow's in the marrow Ride with me, boy, on my Palomino Racing through grey skies, looking for the yellow Father, mother, sister to the TV shows They try to fix you but sorrow's in the marrow Do it, do you?